you know, living the new life. And we're going to talk about that. And I hope we can get some discussion going. You know, um, chapter two was mostly, you know, dealing with uh, him coming against and criticism of the false teachers. And again, uh, because it was centered around their philosophy and the things that uh, they believed that went contrary to the word. But chapter three now comes into uh, our Christian behavior. And, and, and now he goes from the, the doctrinal teaching uh, to the application of some of the things that he'd been talking about. And so this, this chapter kind of deals with behaviors and things that we can do, but the key thing you want us to know is that we have to understand that we're supposed to be living the new life. And, and so, you know, so just for conversation, so that we can keep this very basic, uh, because I want this to make sense to you. In your mind, when you hear the word new, and you don't even have to get spiritually deep on the word new. Just, just from your understanding of the word new. You know, what does new mean to you? When you hear something new, what does that mean? Anybody? Your answer is your answer, and your answer for you is the right answer for you. But, but what do you come to mind when you think of something new? Living a new life, or just the word new? Something you, okay, something you've never seen, okay. Okay, New? Something you've never seen? Anything else? Anybody else? A new beginning? Okay, starting uh, uh, experiences, things that have come about that maybe cause you to make some changes, move in a new direction? Okay. Anybody else? Okay, something you don't know anything about. Now, in the context here, it's talking about you. So now, when you think about that, you got to look at yourself and say, how do you consider yourself new? What does new look like to you? And your answer of what that looked like to you is going to be purely based on you. Okay, got, getting rid of some old ways and things of that nature, okay. And, and, and get this now, when, when, when we come into the reality that God sees us as being new, the Bible calls us new creations in Christ. And so, therefore, he asks us to walk in the newness of life. And so now we are focusing the night and say, okay, man, when I put on this new life, there's an expectation that God have for me. And as a believer, and, and, and all of us are going through this metamorphosis, this change process, putting on this new life is not easy. And, it, and, and sometimes it's a struggle for most, and it's very diff difficult for some. But if God put it in the word, then it must be possible for us to put on this new life. Even though the old life keeps coming at us. Because the old life don't stop. Oh, you, before God, you know, you've been dealing with that part of you probably longer than you've been dealing with Jesus. You know, depending on when you got saved and how old you are now. And so therefore, there's going to be some opposition to this new you. But anything that is new, you know, if it's new to you, Major, even if I bought a used car, when it, I, if I never owned it before and I get it, that's new to me. You see what I'm saying? It's new to me. So new don't always mean you get something brand new, but it's a new experience. So what you got to see is that God is expecting you to see yourself as having a new experience in life with him. Because you 
we're born again in the flesh, but you've been born again in the, in the spirit. And because of that, that spiritual birth should cause you to walk and live in a way that glorifies him. And so that's what he was trying to get this church to see. It was a church that was going through a lot of changes because of the teaching that was going on there. And now he was trying to get them to focus, hey, you got to stop focusing on everything that you see here in the earth. You got to change your focus and start looking at things from another perspective. Because if you don't change the way you see things in your perspective and you still see them the way you were before you became new, then the chances are you're going to continue to be the old you. In order to be a new you, something got to change about you. And so now look at this. What he says? He says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, verse 1, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits at the place of honor at the right hand of God. First of all, you got to buy into the fact that heaven is real. And, and, and therefore, we see this as a reward that after we have done our time here in the earth, that we believe that there's an eternal life that we're going to experience in some place called heaven. You know, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if there's a will that God has for heaven and we represent him in the earth, then we're supposed to act like we belong to heaven. Amen? And, and so in order to do that, we got to understand this new life. Because if you don't, the old life don't focus on heaven. The old life focuses on earth and the things that it can see and touch and feel, the temporal things. But now you got to have a spiritual mind so that even though you've never been there, in your mind, you got to believe there's a place called heaven. And that one day, because of your acceptance of Jesus Christ, you're going there. And you can't let nobody talk you out of that even though you never see it. And so if you are not grounded in the truth of God's word and, and you don't have heaven as a reality, then it's easy for you to be talked out of something that you're supposed to believe in. In other words, your faith can be shaken because man is, it's easy to get man to believe in things they can see. But God has asked us to believe in something we ain't never. And so therefore, that's why it's important for us to understand why you've got to be rooted and grounded in the word of God, but your faith got to be strengthened. Because if your faith started to waver and hope started to wane, then guess what? You will start to believe that that heaven don't exist. And so he was trying to tell him, hey, look, you, you got a new life in Christ now. You're, you're, a new prayer, you're a new person. You've been raised to a new life with Christ. So now that you have this new life, change your focus. Start focusing on things that belong to God and not things that you can see that belong to the earth and to the world. He says, where Christ sit in the place of honor at the right hand of God. Again, Christ having that authority. And, and he's in honor because of the sacrifice. So we understand and we believe that when Jesus was raised from the dead, he went back to heaven. And the Bible says he's now seated at the right hand of the Father. 
he make intercession for us. And so therefore, when we think spiritually, we got to get that in our heart, in our mind, in our soul, even though we, don't, we have never seen that physically. But in your mind, you got to have a picture that, that heaven exists. It's real. And that Jesus is there, and he promised us that one day we will be there too. So now that's important because look at this. He says in verse 2, think about the things of heaven and not the things of the earth. In other words, now I got to put some thought into this new life. And it's going to cause me to start to think about the things that is from God more than the things that is of the world. See, we come to God with a carnal mind, worldly minded, but eventually God wants us to be spiritually minded because that is life. And so therefore, in order to become spiritually minded, I got to be thinking on the things of heaven and not on the things of... He didn't take us out of the earth. We're still in the earth. We're in the world, but we're no longer of the world. And so therefore, as his, we're going to show you this later, his representative, that's key, then there's a certain expectation that God have of us, and the more we know about Jesus and his teaching and the things that have been written in the Bible, because when this was got to these folks, the Bible had been written. So therefore, they had to learn things through other methods, from the Old Testament of preachers coming and teaching them. We got a book that has been written, that's been authenticated by God, and so, therefore, we're in a different place in these folks. And because we have God's word now, then we have to make sure that we understand the document that we have that tells us how God operated and how Jesus operated. So he says, now, think on things of heaven and not of earth. Now, look at this. For you died. Somebody say you died. Spiritually, you're supposed to have died when you got this new life. He says, for you died to this life, and your real life is hidden in Christ, hidden with Christ in God. And you know, sometimes we symbolize that when we baptize people. We symbolize you dying to you, old you. Go down to refreshing, a cleansing, come up a new you. Now that's just a symbol. The water ain't got no magic in it. Amen. Because if you don't change the way you think, and change your focus, you can get baptized and follow the symbolism, but then get out of the pool and live just like the world. If that was magic in the water, the church would be a better place. Y'all ain't got to save me right there. I just know I'm right right there. I mean, because when I got baptized, the water did not change me. Now, I was forced to get baptized because mom and them said, you're going to get baptized. It wasn't like I got this revelation. At 10 years old, that was how we kind of did it in the Baptist church. By the time you got 10, they figured you were ready. So you just get pushed on up there, get a right hand of fellowship, sit down, the doors of the church is open. You know, you go up and walk in the door, and the door is open. Ain't nobody tell you about no new life. No, it's fresh new life. 10 years old, they ain't talking about no new life. Mama said, go get baptized. I'm going to get baptized. I want to identify with Jesus. I want to do that. But nobody started telling me, hey, there's an expectation. It wasn't until I got 29 years old that I started believing in this expectation of change. 
So from 10 to 29, that water didn't do it. Nothing changed until something on the inside of me changed. And a lot of times, you know, we sing songs, and I've said before, you know, when we got, I looked at my hands and they looked too new, and I looked at my feet and they did too. That sounds good in a song, but your hands and feet didn't change. You're looking at the natural. Amen. And so when we sing songs like that, people say, oh man, I, man, I got my hands new, my feet new. No, it's your heart that God wants to change. It's something on the inside that he's aiming at, not your hands and your feet. And so I don't knock us for saying that because we just didn't know no better. But it, it sounded good, but if our heart don't change, the water ain't going to do us no good. It just become a ritual that we go through, and we don't realize that our real life is now hidden with Christ in God. He says this, in verse 4, and when Christ, who is your life, in other words now, he is the source of this new relationship that we have with God, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. Talking about his return. So that's an expectation that we have. Because now we have accepted him as our Lord and Savior, we have this expectation that, hey, when he is revealed to the whole world, he already been revealed to you in your heart through his word. And so therefore, the world, he's got to be revealed. If they don't accept him now when he come back, then we're going to be honored in a different way than they're going to be honored. So now look at this. Now, now he started to get in a little dicey here. He says, and I'm going to read this four again. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. It's good to be on a team because you get a chance to share. But, you know, we like that part, sharing his glory. But the Bible also say, if you're going to reign with him, you got to suffer with him too. You just can't get the glory without going through something. And going through something sometimes is this you accepting this new life. Because that's going through something. Because, oh, you're going to fight all the way to the change take place in your life. And so, therefore, he said this. Now he tells us to start talking in a natural way. He said, now look. So put to death the sinful, earthly thing lurking. Man, that word lurking just stopped me in my track. Lurking within you. Now, what, when you hear the word lurking, what comes to your mind when you hear that word? You know, there's somebody that just lurking. You know, you know, say, you know, somebody said, Major's just out there lurking. You know what I mean? And, and that, just lurking. Looking for an opportunity. <laughs> looking for a, an opportunity to do something to me. Lurking. You know, somebody that ain't going to come at you from the front, just hide in the bushes. Somebody lurking, they're going to ambush you. And you know what he's telling you right here? The thing that's going to ambush you, oh, my God. <laughs> it ain't going to be something outside of you. It's, gonna be, it's already, and it's lurking, looking for an opportunity to keep you being the old. He said the earthly things are lurking within you. 
have nothing to do. Uh-oh, now this is where you get mad with the church. This in the Bible, we got to read it, even though flesh don't want to read this part of the Bible. And preachers don't like reading this part of the Bible now because it upset folk. It offends people because we live in a society now where when it comes to morality, the standards are low. The bar is real low now. You know, it used to be a time, you know, we thought that sex outside of marriage was wrong. Even though folk did, you still thought it was wrong. Nowadays, people say, hey, ain't nothing wrong with it. It's a natural emotion, natural feeling. It's a natural desire. God gave it to you. Go for it. And guess what? It's lurking. <laughs> it's not that lurking. <laughs> it's lurking. And if you don't have the new you in check, you'll get caught up in that. Now look, I know this don't go well. And I'm, look, I'm not condemning nobody because I understand. Can we just, oh, we got to look here. But, you know, most folk don't get married in the conditions that God wants them to be in when they get married. And that's about being pure and ready, all that. We messed that up early on. 13, 14, 15. Lurking. He just come in. He just lurking. And if we don't explain this lurking that's out there, then our children are going to end up lurking. This thing ain't just with you. This flesh affects everybody. So, so now look at this. And, and I know these are the tough conversations. And in the old days, we talk about, you know, we simplified it. We got to tell them about the birds and the bees. No, you need to tell them about the lurking. When they get old enough, I ain't talking about no babies. I'm talking about your kids. Go, you got to tell them the truth about how the world operates because if you don't, somebody else will. And guess what? We're going to see here, we have an obligation to teach through hymns and spiritual hymns and things of that nature. But don't you know the world is teaching our children through hymns? Your children are learning stuff every day through somebody's hymns. Now, they ain't real biblical hymns, but music have a way of teaching us certain things. Because people sing and teach about their experiences, and some of those experiences can be positive, Negative, and some of those experiences can lead your children down the wrong way because it's lurking. Your, some of our children learn profanity from the music that they listen to. But if they don't think heavily minded, they will think there's nothing wrong with saying those words because everybody else is doing it. And what we got to say, no, the new you got to have a problem with some of those words. Y'all ain't saying amen real loudly. <laughs> I know, I know, you know, for some people, you know, cursing is an art. But you got to know it's just lurking. If you used to be a cursor, it's still lurking out there. If you're cursing right now, lurking. I read an ambush you. Ain't nothing wrong with saying it. Some of them words in the Bible. Yeah, okay, I got it. Donkey is in the Bible, yeah. But you ain't got no business telling nobody to kiss yours. Lurking. I just want, because you got to be real, folks. Lurking. 
So anything can't come out of your. Lord have mercy. Help me right here. He says, so put to death sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with, he, he make it plain. He, 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 sexual immorality, that's a big word there. To say anything that you do with somebody else that you ain't married to is immoral. You know, folks don't want to hear that today. You know, I look at some of those movies they got on TV now, and I, you know, well, kids, I can't talk about it. But anyway, if you let your children just watch anything on TV right now, they're going to learn about sexual immorality and be encouraged to do it and celebrate it. Just can't wait. Maybe. Well, so, so, Pastor, for the most part, though, uh, our kids are away from us more than they're around us. And then while, while they're away from us, you know, how do you combat that stuff? Then the things that they're even taught in school was, you know, it's okay to love somebody. It's okay. These are natural feelings. I mean, how do you combat that? Because you're not around them. I mean, even if you're homeschooled, at some point, their social life has an effect on you. And more times than not. That is true. And, but, but what we have to do is call educating and teaching our kids. We can't let, you know, the television teach them. You know, we, we, you, 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 you can't prevent them from going to school unless you're going to homeschool them. But you can put things in them to let them know just how the world operates. You got to tell them this is how the world operates. This is what people in the world, this is how they think. And so therefore, you can't go in with that thinking because then now certain things that's on the inside of you will start lurking and you'll get in ambush yourself. I mean, a lot of things are lurking anyway because if you're sitting there and you're watching something on TV and your kids are watching you, then that's an issue. And I'll go a little bit further. If you're saying some things, but you're telling your kids, don't say that, that's a bad word. But you say it. And it's, it's no longer, well, do as I say and not as I do. Because they're going to do what they see you do. And that's a true, that's a true statement. And so what, what that does, that's put us in a position that we have to try our best to live right before our kids. Yeah. We, we got to be a good example for them. Right. And so therefore, when they see us as an example, but our example can't be the same example that they see in the world. So if you're going to tell your children at four years old or five years old that don't say those words because those words are bad words, then you can't say those words. The things that you want them to do, you got to do. <laughs> and they got to see you do it because you got to model what you want them to be and see before them. And what, whatever they see, because they're around you a lot of time, but once they get out, yes, there are other influences in school, friends, television. But most of the time, our kids are getting corrupted right now in their own house. Because kids got their own TV now, they got their own channel, they got their own. You know, my grandkid now, they good kid, their mama don't regulate what they can get, or they put them codes on there so they can't go everywhere. But them little rats, they got their own little stations, man. They go into them stations they want to. 
And so the prayer, they don't figure out how to break the code to go further. But right now they can go to their own little, they got their own little Netflix channel or whatever them channels is out there. They, their little pictures show up, boom, they know that's me, that's mine. And that certain things have been put in there that they can watch. And so therefore, their parents have to watch even Disney now. Because, because Disney is putting messages in certain movies now that used to be kind of, okay, that's cool, but now you just got to screen it and say before you let your children watch it. Because if not, they're going to be indoctrinated with what we used to call just a cartoon. Brother Hurst? Yes, it's, I mean, it's very tough. I mean, as, as we are studying right now how it is when you get the point is getting doctrinated. Doc, doctoring, doctrination. Indoctrinated, okay. No, that's what we're doing. Mm -hmm. I mean, as the very, as the very first uh, chapter, one and two, it's, 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 doctor, it's doctoring about God and who Jesus Christ is. And that's what Paul was writing, doctrination. Mm -hmm. Now this doctrination is next chapter we're studying right now is telling us what we got to practice. Application. What we got to look like. That's right. And so if God is telling us to do that, then we got to do the same thing in our homes. We have to be very careful for what our children is growing up to be. Amen. He put the responsibility on us. And it is tough. You have to make the decision. If you, I mean, as you said, either homeschool, that's about the only way you're going to take them out of the influence in school. I mean, I know it's pretty hard in our situation, our culture today, but you have to think about that because when you send them to school, they're going to get doctrinated in the things of the world. Mm -hmm. it, it's going to happen, and you've got to know that. And also, we've got to know what we influence or the media or what we put our own eyes look at. If your children ain't supposed to be listening to something to things that just ain't right, should we be listening to that too? So the point is, is that you, we have to monitoring also about what we influence ourselves, and like you said, is to the point as, as given an, an example or uh, image, we have to give them an example and we have to train them. And like it says, I, one of the things I understand now, that we have to make them disciples, you know, our children. Amen. I, that's just the bottom line. So you have to, it's going to be tough. Train them. You got to be tough. Amen. But Pastor, I mean, that's 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 great. But and I don't want to say is it fair. Well, yes, I do. I say is it fair. We want our kids to be what we are now, instead of telling them the truth. I mean, we want them to say, okay, you know, I messed up thirty years of my life, but hey, I'm right now. So we want them to be what we are at fifty, and they're eighteen. That's that's. That's not going to happen. That, that's not going to happen because we're telling them, don't do this, I don't do this. Yeah, but you did do it. And I don't mean tell them that it's okay to do it, but I'm saying that's... I, I think we still have an obligation to train our kids we, in we spite do. of the mistakes that we made and yeah. that we learned. But I would, tell, I would try to tell people, try to get their kids to... Don't make the same mistake I made to learn the lesson that I learned. Right. You know, 
you may get to where you're trying to go quicker if you don't make that mistake. If you don't go out there and get a baby out of wedlock, your life may change dramatically for the better. Yeah, you can, yeah, I'm, yeah, don't, 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 when you're trying to talk to your children, the worst thing I think you can do is sugarcoat you and, and start where you are now instead of saying, hey, when daddy was 14 or 15, this is what life was like for me, but I don't want you to make the same mistakes I made because I didn't have a, my dad didn't sit down and tell me these things, you know, I'm telling you now. And I think that we educate them in those ways. But life is still choice-driven. They're going to they're gonna be enticed that's because there's some things lurking out there for them. And so therefore, but I think it helps us when we know that we've been, been, been a good parent because we've spent the time educating our children. And we're not expecting the school system to do everything that we should be doing. And so, and so with that, with that, do we... Do oh, okay, we, we got you coming, Gloria. <laughs> and so with that... Do we do we beat them down when they when they make a mistake, or do we love them? No, or, no, no. Or we, do we love them to a point where, you know, they say, "Hey, I'm gonna trust my mom and my dad that I can still go to them even though I made a mistake." Yeah, I think you want an open relationship with your children where they don't have to feel that they can't come to you when they got issues or they made a mistake that they got to go to someone else. I think by having that relationship with them where you sit down and you train them. And I'm not talking about training them, you know, if you have to start at 13 and 14, you're already behind the curve. This training got to take place when they're little and coming up and you indoctrinate them, like Brother Herbert said, so that when they get to a certain age, that training is already in them. But at a certain age, teen, I, don't, I don't care if they say that their dad is a preacher and their mama is a bishop or whatever, teenagers are teenagers. And nine out of ten of them going to do what teenagers do whether they're in church or out of church. And so knowing that, as a parent, we shouldn't be surprised when our teenagers act like teenagers. We got to help them navigate them through those days by saying, hey, you're a new creation. I know there's some things lurking in you now that you done got 15, but you're a new creation. You got to see yourself like God see you and not how the world presents you. And that's an that's a education, and sometimes you're going to win some battles with your children, and sometimes that teenager is going to break your heart. But now that goes back to you got to still love them. And now, now, because, you know, when the Bible talks about you know, the prophets had to sometimes deliver tough messages, but it said at the end of the day, your blood won't be on my hand. Because I did what I was supposed to do as a parent by training you and teaching you. Most parents who be on guilt trips know that they have been negligent in their responsibilities when it comes to teaching their children. But once they get to the age of accountability, you can't wear that gear. You got to, hey, look here. That's a choice they made. And now I got to help them make, get through some of those dumb choices. Okay, Sister Myrna, then Gloria. First of all, we keep saying we got to teach the kids there because we know we've reached a certain weight. We want them to be. That's not true. We all was taught the right things, and we all chose to do what we wanted to do. Now, I don't Number think one. people all taught most the right things. Most of us. Well, yeah, but you most did. I can live with that. Okay. Yeah, because um, I wasn't always taught the right thing. Now, the 13-year-old, I was taught to hunt. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't taught the right thing by my uncle. They didn't teach me. They didn't teach me this. 
No, I'm not talking directly the word in itself. I'm talking right from wrong. Most parents, most parents teach their children, teach us. And then when we growing up, we choose to do what we wanted to do. Then we come on our, we have our kids, and we want our kids to obey what we're telling them. But guess what? Them doing the same thing we do. Not listen. The words that train up a child in the way should go, that when it grow old, it would not depart. I am a, I'm a, I'm a record. You know what's a record? Something that repeat itself over. Well, that's what I do for my kids them born. I speak to my kids them about good and bad. And if them don't listen, I, I touch them up a good touch up too. That when them go and do it again, they remember it. And back up back and do something different. You see, them when Discipline? you do something wrong. Yeah. But I went with them for that thing after I don't tell you three times. I'm going with you. So when you behave again badly, it's not for that same thing. You won't think about something else to do. Because I already told you not to. And I still talk to my kids. Them, as all of my children are my grown kids now. And I still sing like a bee in them ears. Every day. Every day. Because you cannot stop talking to your children. You cannot stop encouraging them. Amen. That don't take away their freedom. I don't take away my kids and freedom, but I let them know what is the consequence. For every action, there is a reaction. True glory. Good point. Good point. But that's so true, Pastor. You can be the best of parents. You can teach your kids right from wrong. You can talk to them. But at the end of the day, those children, they're going to make bad choices. They, life is choice-driven, driven, as you have said. But they're going to, at the end of the day, they're going to make some choices. They're going to make they, some bad choices. And I think that, that percentage is high. But I do think there are some kids that get through kind of unscathed, that, that kind of listen to mom and dad, that don't try everything. You know, you got, you, if you got more than one child, you're going to find out that, you know, all of them ain't cookie cutters the same. There are going to be some that are going to follow closer to the line, like that you laid out there for them, and there are going to be some that are going to stray off the line. And they come to church. And they, and, they, and they come from the same house, they've been taught the same thing, but some will adhere to the teaching. It ain't no different from being a pastor here at Strive. Some children listen to the word and apply. Some listen to the word and do just what they want to do. So just because you teach it don't mean everybody's going to apply. That was his thing right, right here, the application aspect of it. There are a lot of people who can stand up and defend the Bible and profess the Bible, but they don't always live the same thing they profess Go ahead and get a mic, mate. We can tell them all day what to do. Some of them will listen, some won't. But what they're doing is they're watching you. So, so okay, yeah, you say, I told my kids I, I raised them the right way. Yeah, but how are you living? That is, that is important. I, I do think yeah. that kids know hypocrisy when they see it. Exactly. You know, I, I remember, you know, back in the day, there was certain things we were told, you know, like you said, do as I say and not as I do. Well, that, that was bad philosophy right there. That was like chapter two, bad philosophy. But when granddad and them said that, okay, that means we saw them do certain things, but then they say, don't do this. But when they had the parties and I saw them drinking, guess what I did? I slipped around to when they was all in there playing cards, 
got me a little hit too. And I wasn't about 10, 11 years old. But, but it was flowing. And I saw them do it, and I want to do it. But I think that's why today I don't have a taste for alcohol because early on I, had, I had, was exposed to it so much that it just turned me off. So, so that, that, ain't my, that ain't my sin that kept me bound up right there because at a young age I got exposed to it and it just didn't, didn't take me where I wanted to go. I just didn't like it then. But like granddad and them told us, don't touch that. But I knew when they was gone and what they were doing, okay. And I see them put it in their coffin. So guess what? When I get me a little cup of coffee, I want, I want some of that too. Okay. I'm just saying. Go ahead, Ava. I was going to say, it's still not all inclusive where you could be living right. You can teach and train your children up in the right way and teach them, and you can live it. And they can still go contrary to what you've taught and to what you've lived before them and to what they know right and wrong from. So, like you said, back to it's choice-driven. Doesn't stop you from indoctrinating them. Doesn't stop you from teaching them and training them up. And like Myrna said, talking to them through and through. But there's some children that are going to go contrary to what you have taught, even though you lived it before them. Amen. I got one thing to say. Mm -hmm. Why are we sitting here? There's a reason for we sit here. There's a reason why someone came and saved us from, my, from, from myself. And we call him Father. We call him Lord. We call him to love. And he asking us, and you asking us, as you teaching us right now, to be what God's calling us to be. And we got the same thing we got to put into our children, not to love the Lord, to soon they understand to love the Lord. They wouldn't understand to be able to walk in this world that, that they're going to be sent into. That's the importance. And I'm, it is tough because I didn't, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. I have a grand, I got grandchildren now. I didn't put it all in my children. And I wish I did. But what do I do now? My point is right now, I, I'm teaching my, my grandson, he's six years old, about obedience. He wasn't obedient. Matter of fact, he, he went to school today, I mean the other day, and got a red marking. What'd you do? I didn't obey. You didn't, get obe you didn't obey? And, and I, I can say this. What scripture did I give you? Ephesians chapter 6, 1. And what it said. Children, obey your parents. Because it's right. And it's good. Early teaching. So they understand what we're doing right now. And I know right now it's hard. I know right now, you, you can say right now, my kids are going to do what they want to do. But did they understand to understand that they, we do put them to love the Lord? Do we put them to love the Lord that will be able to walk the world? Do we did that? If we can't be in an example, we didn't do that. We didn't do our job. So it is hard. It's hard right now. Yeah. 
But God said there's a way, though, Pat. Right? It's a way. It's Absolutely. never too late. No, no, it's not. So, it's, as long as there's breath, there's yes. hope. Yes. It, but, but, but again, I think the point is, I think if we just do an analysis of our own lives, like Major is saying, those of us, whether we were taught right and wrong, there was something on the inside of us that, you know, the Bible said, you know the difference between good and bad. And, and even though we may have been taught, some kids just going to do certain things. It's no different than when you're dealing with a three or four-year-old and you say, don't touch the stove. You don't teach them to touch it. They just wake up one day and figure they're going to touch it. And, and you tell them that. But they little will, sometimes some of them you can tell them and they won't do it. One of them going to put their hand on it. They're going to learn their lesson the hard way. Even though they got the teaching, don't touch the stove. Don't touch it. If you do, I'm going to... But they still, some on the inside, I'm lurking. Say, Daddy, Mama ain't here. Let me just touch it. And they touched it one time when it wasn't on. They said, oh, Daddy trying to hold something back from me. Ain't nothing wrong with that stove. And then one time you got it on and you ain't dead and they touch it. They learned that lesson. And some people learn their lessons from experiences that they should not have had to go through if they would have heeded what they had been taught. But, but, that's, but that's tossed early, though. But that, that talk, that is, ter I mean, what I'm trying to say to pastor, as they go on up, just like my six, like my six-year-olds, I mean, he's young, he's still young, to a point where he would get into him to obey. Early, I mean, six-year-old, early. So, hope, you know, prayfully, the next time there will be an understanding to you know, what, wherever it's going to take to them to understand, because it tells us when they disobey, then there's, a, there's another thing to, to get into them. What I'm trying to say to you, Pastor, is, yes, uh, other things, what I'm saying to you is this. We, what, we're almost not like our children, too. Are we saying the same thing? Is God's telling us right now we should not do this? But some of us in church are going to go ahead and venture out. Is that right or wrong? I mean, is that what you're saying too? That we're we going to do the same thing. No, I'm just going to read what the Bible says. The Bible well, says that earthly things yes. lurking. Yes. And now some people going to get ambushed by the lurking things, whether they sit in here on Sunday or right. Wednesday. If they don't stay spiritually rooted and grounded and be led by the Spirit, they're going to lurk into something that go against what I just read. But, but can I say one other thing, though? Can I, can I, can I say one other thing? We are talking about people that did not get people was out in the world before. We yeah, talk, but that's well, I'm, I'm just saying this, this. What I'm trying to say is, like you said, for my for myself, I'm just I'm just saying for myself. This it, I came from out of the world. We all did. Okay, I came from uh, as as an adult at this point. I came from out of the world. Uh huh. And since I came out of the world, there's still things what I used to do. Lurking. Yes. What I used to do. In so you. I, I, yes. Okay. Okay. But now at this point, now I'm, I'm training myself to a point where I don't lurk anymore. I know what it looks like. You don't let it ambush you. That's right. I, but, but what I'm saying is as a child, as a child, do you raising them up early enough once they get away to the point where they are trained early enough 
to understand, to make the right decision because they have, they have it in them. And that's what you want, her. But, but that's you, what I want. But Pastor, now get this. But then I, I if I understood you right, but, you say you're teaching your grandson right. That's right. And I he went to school and got a red mark. But, but I said like this. My, 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 I'm saying like this. But, but wait, no. But, but that's but, early. But then you teach him. You're that's teaching him that's obedience. That's, that's early. And, and so what I'm trying to say, you're teaching him early, but yes. he still made a mistake because lurking was out there for him. And so now he got to take what he that from learn from that mistake, and now you got to see will you show him the love down to say, hey, okay, you you made a mistake, and you know you've been taught that lesson. So therefore, now we got to sit down and talk about this obedience thing again, because obviously you didn't get it the last time. Yes, but uh, but we saying to also for the things that we immorality, immorality. This was one of the things immorality. Right now, my six-year-old, I, I know that he's not in immorality at this point. This, this is heavy. Mm -hmm. This is heavy. Do, do you understand? This is a heavy. And also, not only do they have to teach him early in life about sexuality, he won't get into, into trouble understanding about sexual, sexual things. Do you understand what I'm saying? So immorality of this right here that he won't not get into. But be obedience, okay, yes. But I'm just well, you're talking about the heavy stuff. But, but Herb, let's say, all I'm saying is and, I think what Major's trying to say is that if we do our job on the front end, we're doing what God wants us to do, but there's no guarantee that our kids going to walk in obedience. Whatever. They're going to they gonna have to make those choices. And I think what we get out at is to say that, okay, I taught them. That you ought to be saying, hey, even though we just talking about disobedience right now, you can still feel confident in the fact that, hey, I taught him that before he went to school. So when I got to go there to that teacher, she ain't going to look at me like I had never taught this kid that he's not getting anything at home. She's going to know he's been taught at home, but he just made a bad choice in school. And so those choices just get bigger. Like you said, they get deeper as we get older. If they're not taught, well, they can, even if they're taught, her, that, that's the point. These people being taught and they, these things were still going on. So, 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 so we have responsibility to teach, but to live it is on the individual. Go ahead. I need to read them. I, got, I, got, I knew we were going to get stuck right here tonight. Cause I, I cause the, I, but, but again, I think, though, if we just be, be, be I tried to start off just talking about, you know, new life. And what does new mean to you? That's not, what does new mean to you? And so if you just focus on you, forget about everybody else and their issues, just start, see how you look new or are you new at all. When you take a snapshot of old you that's still in your memory bank, and then now you take a snapshot of new you, do you see any difference between the two snapshots? relate to what he was trying to say, okay? I have four kids, okay? And what the oldest one used to get into trouble quite a bit, not because I didn't taught him well, from him a little bit, okay? The thing was, him got hurt. Somebody shot him up, okay? And he was talking to one of his friends on the phone, and he, I mute my phone. She said, I'm going to call him and talk to him, but I want you to mute your phone. And I sat there and hear him tell her the reason why I don't want my mother 
to know the things then that happens to me when they do is because my mother raised me right and I choose to do stupidness. That's what he told her. So it doesn't, that's why I say it doesn't matter. You won't train them because you want to make sure they are, you tell them the right thing. At the end of the day, they will choose what to do. But, at, but also, they can re repent and start behaving differently because sometimes after a certain time, you want to change your life and you have what to hold on to. But if I don't train him and give him all those things, then he wouldn't have nothing to turn back to. Amen. And, and so I think in a way we're saying the same thing. We can train we, and we can do our job. And that's what I'm trying to say. I'm just trying to encourage you. Do your part. And I believe you do your part if your child go out there and something happen, you won't wear the guilt. Like, I didn't, I didn't teach them that. I didn't tell them that. Man, you know if you've been born in, the, in a tough city, you know what the streets like. And you're going to put your child out there and not tell them, hey, this is how the streets work. If you look around these corners, this is what's going to happen to you. Now, you tell them that, but if they choose to go to that corner, then now they, the guilt is not on you. But if you don't tell them, you make it look like, hey, you can just walk up and down this street anytime you want, anytime of day, night, it's okay out there. You just go do it. No. You're going to try to tell them. You're going to try to educate them. I think even bad parents try to teach their children to do right. But like you say, if they ain't living right in front of them, their kids going to follow their example most of the time. Not all the time, but most of the time. Brother Willie, and I got to read on, man. I know we're going to get stuck here tonight. God. You got a mic so somebody online can hear what you got to say? Just push the button. Okay, I just want to make one comment. Uh, you know, we're saying lurking and the kids, and we're talking about our kids and what what they're seeing on the outside. You know, we all we can do is try to train them to do right. But I, the point that I want to show y'all one little thing: if all y'all listen to the news, you'll see what I'm finna say. A six-year a six-year-old kid took a gun to school and shot his teacher. Do you think his mother? taught him how to shoot a teacher? No. Do he understand about lurk? No. He don't understand that. He's six years old. But somebody had to show him how to shoot that weapon. So I, I believe, in my heart, I believe that his parent, his, his mother, she's a single parent, was trying to teach her son right, and she had that weapon for protection but she didn't put it in the right place. So, when we say that we're trying to train our kids to do the right thing in the right way, that's all we can do. And, and we all, we all try to live by the words that are in this Bible here. I don't care how old you are or how, how young you are, we are all trying to be better than what we were when we was coming up. You know, because I, I can go back, and I'm not going to go back, but I can tell you about my kids. My kids are old now, 49 and 52 years old. So they know better. But, 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 but Brother Herb got, got somebody that's six years old. It's a new world, Brother Herb. It's a new world. You're either going to whip him to death, <laughs> uh, you're going you're gonna, to uh, try to beat some words in his head. That's all we can do, bro. <laughs> I, 
So, so what we see here, let me read on. Let me read on, because I got to get back. Because, yeah, I, I think we, that, you know, we're gonna, it's going to answer itself as we go on. Look at this. He said now, so you got to, the first thing he tells us, you got to put to death some things. If you don't put to death, and we ain't talking about a six-year-old now who, who wouldn't understand all this, but we're just talking about us who grown folk. You got to put to death some things in your life. If you don't put to death those things, they're going to still lurk. Even though you're saved and here on a Wednesday night, they're going to still lurk. So we ain't got to go find nobody else. Just use our example. You got to say, what, you, did you put anything to death? If you put something to owe you to death? He says, earthly things lurking within you have nothing to do with sexual morality, impurity, that's talking about, you know, you just can't watch everything. Some, some stuff just ain't for your eyes. Christians, now, I'm, I'm anti-porn. So, Christians, I don't believe, should be watching pornography. That's just Pastor Bolden, because I see that it's kind of letting impurities in the eye gate, stuff like that. Especially if you marry. This is a deep one. This is a grown folk lesson right here. Then he says, lust. You know, that, those passions that could be on the inside of you. You just, you just crave certain things. Lust. Now, we ain't got to go to the sexual side of this. You know, we can have some bad habits maybe when it comes to eating. And because we want certain things, we crave certain things, we can sometimes eat too much of something that we want. And we'll come to church and beat the person who's dealing with their flesh when it comes to sex, but we won't say nothing to the gluttony. We won't say nothing to the, to the person who overeat, to eat too much of this drink, too much. No, no. but we'll beat up the other ones because we, we see them as being bad, but, you know, gluttony is a sin too. And so we got to be equal when it comes to calling out things, especially when it comes, see, a lot of times when we get in the habit of calling out things that other folks are doing, we overlook what we're doing in order to call them out. Oh, Lord, help me here. He says, evil desires. Then he says, don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. In other words, if you start craving and being greedy for certain things, especially money or things like that, whatever you're greedy for, it's easy for those things to become your God. And you will do anything for it and to get it. So he says, look, he put greediness for things, that those desires that can't be quenched. He said, look, man, that can easily cause you to be an idolater when you start worshiping them. You know, and then no different than that some people, ain't nothing wrong with making money. If you got an education, man, ain't nothing wrong with having a good job to pay you six figures, seven figures. You, if the Lord bless you there, but you got to get it the right way. You can't sell your soul to get it. There's a right, right way to get it. You got to trust God for it. You got to trust his way of getting it. You can't be backstabbing. You can't be doing other things to get ahead instead of trusting God. He ain't got no problem with you getting it. 
but it can't become your God that you will chase it at all costs. Because at some point in time, you know, some people, they don't know what enough is. But at some point in time, you just got to learn how to be content in certain things that you got and that the Lord done blessed you with. And then if he take you to another place, that's fine. But don't let that become your sole focus that all you would do, the only thing you would do is a money motive behind it. Because it's so easy. That's why you say you can't serve two gods. You can't serve God and you can't serve money. Money is a great servant, but it's a poor master. It can work for us and do things for us, but we definitely can't let it become our master. And look what he says. He says, now look. He says, worshiping the things of this world because, because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. I had to stop right there because I had heard so many folk and I was starting to even buy into myself, Major, that God don't get mad when folks sin. You know, folks just don't believe, you know, a God wouldn't do that to them. God, God just, he just, man, he was just, he loved. A loving God wouldn't punish you. But sin make him mad. Let me do, let me make it natural. Major, you done taught little Major all the right things. And then when he go out there and do contrary to what you taught him, make you mad. Make you want to bring a little judgment on him. You hold it back. In the old days, they used to hold it back to build up. They should have just gave it to us early on. Don't hold it back. They hold it back, and then they beat you for about five things you did earlier, and they add it all together <laughs> and talk to you while they beat you. You remember you did that, and you did... If you're going to punish your children, never punish them while you're angry. But you got to have some consequences when they do wrong. Now, I'm not saying that everybody got to get corporate punishment like we did, you know, but I'm going to be on the record to say I ain't no timeout guy. I ain't no timeout. Go sit over there and look in the corner. They get used to the corner. They guys go over there and start daydreaming in that corner and love the corner. But now, if that works for you, if your children can handle that and that's how they respond, I, whatever works for your children. But what I'm trying to tell you, your children got to respond to your voice. And when you tell them to do something, they got to know when you mean it and when you just saying it. So that if you tell them to sit down and they stand there and look at you, that's a bad sign. Because one day they may be running in the street and you say stop and they don't know your voice. They don't know there's a command voice that means what I say and one that I'm just being nice to you. But when you hear this voice, they ought to know. Made you get a mic. I'm just saying, now, I'm not, all kids not the same. And everybody raising their kids the way they want to today. You know, because the thing that we could do to kids and the guy did dust is against the law now. They'll go to school and tell on you. <laughs> Next thing you know, the sheriff will be at your house. And but and and y'all don't stone me for this, but but can't can't we just as God does with us? Can't we can't we love them enough to where they don't want to disappoint us? I mean, I, is that is that possible? I mean, we ain't gotta beat them down. I mean, no, can't I, we can't we? Not, don't stone me yet. Don't stone me. Don't stone me. 
But is it possible that we can love them enough to where they, they don't want, that's the same way we that want God, possible. right? I mean, that's, that's what we possible. do. Hey, that's possible. I mean, but can't we though? Wait, wait. Have, have we tried that or do, do we, we go straight to the belt? Do we go straight to the belt? Major, Major got a point. Wait, that's what I'm saying. Do, do we go straight to the belt because no, that's, no. Because, hold on, Pastor. Hold on, hold on. Let me finish. It's because that's what that's what we were taught, or that's the way that we were raised. But but I'm, I'm not saying timeout uh, works. But I'm not saying timeout doesn't work either. But what I'm saying is, I mean, we we were indoctrinated in you getting a beating if you don't do what I say. But what I'm saying is, can't we love them enough to make them say, okay? I don't want to disappoint my dad. Not that I'm scared my daddy going to choke me down <laughs> if I do something wrong. But we, we got it backwards. Maybe, maybe we got it backwards. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe. we misinterpreted sparing the rod. Pastor, maybe. I'm not, I'm not and, and I'm maybe, add to that. Okay. I, I think it depends on the child. I, I don't, I mean, some children, you can look at them and they're going to straighten up. Or it hurts them more that they know they disappointed you than any belt ever could. Then there's the other child who you have to reach out and touch to let them know just how much you love them. And it's, and it's, not, and it's not across the board equal, but it's you knowing and having that relationship with your children and knowing which one needs a touch and which one that is going to get that they don't even want to disappoint you get that same level of discipline and correction by I, I don't want to disappoint you where in the bible say spear the rod and spoil the child please do tell huh where in the bible says spear the rod and spoil the child Huh? The, the Bible does talk about a, a rod of correction. Exactly. And, 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 and that's why but, the kids, but, them of the past, is not shooting up the school and teachers. And the one them that we're putting in the corner is the one them that sit there on the computer and buy machine gun and do what they got to do. A beating, the, look, a spanking never kill a child. I haven't seen one die yet unless them really killed them, but... And, 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 no. and every generation has, has been different. I mean, I was brought up in a generation when a teacher could spank you. You know, a teacher was just like a parent. I was brought up in a generation where my down-the-street neighbor, Miss Johnson, could tighten me up if she saw me out doing something wrong. She wasn't even my mama, and I couldn't understand it. How can Miss Johnson give me a whooping? She ain't even my mama. And then she called my mama before I get home and said, I whooped your boy today, and then mama whooped me again. Now, today that wouldn't happen because Miss Johnson... And today, we're so polarized when it comes to our kids in our neighborhood, we don't even know the Miss Johnson down the street now. So she dare not say nothing to your child because your child may go off on her and then come tell you you're going to go off on Miss Johnson. And so most people just mind their own business. And I think because of that mindset, that's why so many of our young kids, because we, don't, we decide we're going to take our hands off of them, and if mom and dad ain't doing it, we don't have no more Miss Johnson now. That day is gone. And so because that day is gone, they end up with the popo man being Miss Johnson. And, and sometimes he, he did it wrong. The popo not training them while they do what they do up there. They're beating them to death or shooting them to death. That's exactly right. 
So I, I already, look, when I was raising my kids, I started policing them, facing them. I said, I have kids in here. I just want you to know I went to whip them when they behave bad. They said, go and arrest me, do it now. <laughs> I said, because when they go on the street, you go and shoot them and come tell me later. I said, so I'm going to do what I have to do. Amen. And, and, and so what it says here is that, you know, we still got to understand no matter where our position is, the Bible didn't change that God just got a problem with sin. We may not, man may not have a problem with it, but God got a problem. If he didn't have a problem with sin, he wouldn't send his son to die. Amen. So, so obviously he had, had a problem with sin. And that's why he was trying to solve that sin problem by, by allowing Jesus to die so we can be delivered from the bondage of sin. And that is a process. That don't happen overnight. Now look at it. Let me just read on. Then we go. We may get some more conversation, but I thought we were going to get further than verse 7 tonight. But uh, we're going to see what we can do. He says, you, now, now I love this. This is where most of y'all are sitting here tonight should be. You used to do. You used to do these things. The thing he just got to listen up there. You used to do them. Amen. I mean, if you, you used to do them, you probably said, hey. He said, you used to do those things. You ain't no idolater no more. You got your sexual desires in check now. He says, you used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of Now he said, now look, I was talking to you about some other things that y'all may say, well, you know, I ain't fornicating no more. I got my flesh in check out of that. Then he said, now I got to deal with you another part of your life. I can't let you off that easy because you don't got something in your flesh in check. Boy, you still a, you still a nasty little snake. You, 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 you don't got that aspect of your life right, but boy, your mouth, you can cut some folk up. You can just, you, you know, you can't control your temper. You lose it with your own children. And you know, to me, it, that's one thing I didn't do a lot of when I, I didn't curse my kids. I think I put a vow to stop cursing early enough. You know, they may have heard me say something, but I very seldom cursed at them and you know that. But boy, it used to just hurt me when I see people out in the street just cussing their kids out. Because they get angry at them. And, 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 and yeah, when we grew up, man, that was part of our vocabulary. I mean, everybody had to do curse. I mean, it was just vocabulary 101. The kid, dad cuss, mama cuss. We in the neighborhood, we all cut. We just did it. We didn't let them hear us do it, but we did it. And so nowadays, what we used to couldn't see on TV and had to come on at 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night right before they sign off, now you can see it in prime time. Some of the words that we used to get slapped across the lip. You said that. <laughs> now they just said it right there in prime time. What? They just, they just said that on TV. Because now we've gotten so lax in our society, if you don't, you're not careful, man. You, you know, if, if you, and I ain't got no problem with what kind of music you listen to, but man, if you listen to some hipping and hopping, you exposed to cursing. Now, you don't mean it impacting you, but it's getting in your spirit. And I like some of it. I mean, some make some good stuff. When Tupac made Mama, I thought that was nice. Mama was okay. But the other 99 went for consumption. 
But somebody was being educated with that music and learn the lingo and learn how to talk. And so what happened was that when those things start to happen, man, we have to be careful because if, if not, we'll find ourselves allowing the world to still have an influence on us. Now, I'm not telling you you got to listen to Christian music all the time because some Christian music got some chords in it that come from the world. And you could be listening to it and all of a sudden take you right on back. Wait a minute. I used to get out on that one. I mean that. Now we got Jesus. We just gonna put Jesus in it, but it's the same beat. Okay, I can buy that. Ain't got no problem. Because music has a way of penetrating our spirit without being interfered with. That's why you have to, on purpose, pay attention to what you listen to. That's why they play soft music on elevators to calm you down. You don't even know. Cause they know some of y'all scared. Don't you know? <laughs> calm down, man. They don't stop now. I guess they don't stop now. But they used to play soft music. And so what I'm trying to tell you is that what we got to understand is that the world is still influencing people. And so now he says, now, you used to do these things when your life was still part of the world. But now, he should have skipped all this. But now it's time to get rid of your anger. Ain't nothing like an angry Christian boy, right? An angry Christian will cuss you out. Some of them will, not all of them. Some of them, they just use better words, but they mean basically the same. Because you can tell by tone and tone. We all have to be careful of that, because people can, you know, you just didn't say the word, but you really think you want to say it. You've just been too delivered to say it to them, but you really, I can tell by the look in your face that you really want to say something other than what you said. So he said, now at church, we got, it's time to get rid of anger, rage. Man, don't some things, you know, when you disrobe yourself of these things, you got to get rid of rage, man, just outburst of anger. And, and you know, I, there are times when things happen and we can lose it momentarily, but man, that shouldn't be a regular practice for us. You know, we, we got to know how to be angry, but sin not. Now, anger, anger is a natural emotion. That's what the Bible says. And, and what, that's what it's proven, because God got angry. But you can't allow your anger to get you to the point where you start to get to a, a rage, because once you get to that level, you can start hating people. Anger is at the root of a lot of things that go on in people's lives when they hate other people. They're so angry at them for something they've done or they thought they've done, and so now they allow that to fester on the inside of it, turn to rage, and then it becomes malicious behavior. Man, malicious behavior is intentionally wanting to hurt you. That was exactly what them cops did the other night. That was malicious. Malicious, man. They had no concern about that guy. That was malicious. Something on the inside, they just lost it to do that. And so what I'm trying to tell you is that as Christians, man, if we're not careful, 
we can get to a state of rage and our behavior can become malicious, he said. So he said, now you done got rid of all the sexual stuff. You done got all that in check. Now you got to deal with these other issues. Don't look over your anger and your outbursts and things like that because those things are going to cause God to have problems with you too. Christians just can't, just lose it. Cussing folk out and tearing on. It just shouldn't be that way with church folk. And I know some church folk, you know, that don't see nothing wrong with cursing. They really don't. Don't see nothing wrong with it. But I believe that God got a problem with it. And we got to make sure that we don't allow our behavior to become malicious. And then slamming it is when you just drag somebody through. You know, you destroy another person's reputation, lying, gossip, spread rumors about them, carrying, carrying what they carry, tea now, maybe. Don't they carry tea? You got to carry folks' tea, carrying the tea on folks. You don't even know the whole story. And you just add more sugar to the tea. Making it more juicy. Huh? Slandering people, gossiping right here. Well, that's what I hear them say on TV now, you know. You got the tea. I'm learning. I'm learning this stuff. I had, I, had to, I had to learn the language that they're talking now because I'm hearing the word, you carrying the tea, and I'm thinking Lipton. <laughs> you know what I mean? When I hear tea, I'm thinking, I'm thinking in, my, in my generation, tea was Lipton. But then when I started watching All Americans, I found out the tea ain't, it ain't Lipton. They ain't talking about Lipton. You know, so I, I have to up, stay current in my vocabulary because they be talking things and I got to know what they're talking about. You know, and, and, and Adrian, I wouldn't have known that drip was clothes. They got a commercial now, he got a drip on. What is drip? <laughs> is a faucet leaking somewhere? <laughs> so I had, to, I had to Google, Siri. In the Urban Dictionary, what does drip mean? And she told me. I said, what? And once I learned that, I started looking at commercials, and I hear that, ooh, coming in with his drip. I see sports announcers talking about athletes going to the game. Oh, he dripped out. So now, if, if I was ignorant, didn't know what he was talking about, I'm sitting there, and then I, I say, what in the world is he talking about? Because drip didn't mean that in my day. The language and change. And so what I'm trying to tell you, what I'm trying to say here is that sometimes as Christians, we get so heavenly minded that we don't stay current with what's going on around us. And then now we're no good to God because you can't even interpret what your children are talking about. You're too holy to figure out what they, what they just say. What that mean? What you just said? You just said a word I ain't never heard before. What that mean? Because if not, these new words it's being said right in front of you, and because of our ignorance, we have no clue what our children are doing and how they're communicating with other kids. And so what, what he said, look, we got to be mindful of these things and it, because if not, man, we can get caught up and he even go here and say dirty language. We all know what dirty language is, so we, we move on. Then he says now we, we, he, he get, get into these little areas now 
that we consider them little, but boy, they hurt the world and the church. Man, don't lie to each other. You know, lying is a sin. I think some people think they don't took it out of the Bible. They don't say that. Oh, just lie. Just lie. Misrepresent the truth. It's easy to do. It's easy to just overstate something, understate something. It don't mean no harm. It's just something we do. And you have to catch it. That's why you need the Holy Spirit. Because it's so easy for that old nature to respond to a question that someone asking you, and that old nature know how to lie. I know it sounds, but he wrote this to the church, so that's why I don't have no problem reading this here. He said, don't lie to each other. For you have been stripped off your old sinful nature and all this wicked deed. So if you don't see yourself as being stripped already, then you still got the clothes on. Amen. So he said, you've been stripped. You done took off all the old you, and now you got to put on the new you. And until you do that, old you going to still try to control you. He says, now look, after you done realize you've been stripped, he says, now look, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn. Herb, you've been talking about that. As you learn, what we're doing tonight, learn to know your creator and become like him. The whole purpose of studying the word of God is so that we can become more and more like Jesus. He's the example. He's the one that we're trying to live up to and to be more and more like him and not like the world. So in order to do that, we got to learn. It just don't happen. That's why we, we need to know his teachings in the Bible. That's why we need to know and be led by his spirit. That's why we need to study God's word so that we can know our creator, so that we can know Jesus, so that we can know him more and more and strive to become like him. Our goal ought to be to grow into the fullness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The problem with growth is we don't all grow at the same rate, at the same pace, at the same time. It takes some people longer to grow. But at the same time, God expects us all to make movement. If you've been saved for 20 years, man, he don't expect you to be acting like you acted when you got saved two years. Something ought to have taken place in your life. There's some growth ought to be, have taken place, and certain things ought to have been dropped off because now you have learned how to deal with your old nature. You don't let it control you anymore. He says, now, then he, he comes down, say, as you create, then in verse 11, he said, in this new life, now he started to get hidden in the areas where we have problems with in America because we see people in based on their race, creed, color, national origin, and all that, and God don't. He said, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, if you're circumcised or uncircumcised. It don't even matter if you're a barbarian, barbaric, and uncivilized, slave or free. He said, look, Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. And so what happened is, you can see in our culture, people are broken up based upon, some people think they're more educated than others, got more money than others. Some people think they're better than others because of their race, and others are not. And he said, if we all got Jesus, that's all that, that matters. I got to look past who you are in the natural and see Jesus in you. 
And in him, that's all that matters. Man, if, if the Christians in America could just buy into that passage of Scripture right there, America would be a better place. Because now Jesus is not all that matters to a lot of folks who go to church every Sunday. There are other things that have more influence over them than Jesus. So therefore, our political affiliation and our other things like that will have some impact on us because Jesus is not all that matters. He says Christ is all that matters, and he lives in us. He said, now look, this is where you got to take this personal right here in verse 12. Since God chose you, you didn't choose him. He chose you to be the holy people he loved. So he didn't choose you to be any kind of people. He chose you to be. And since he chose you to be holy, you must clothe yourself with tender heart and mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So he said, all those things I'm telling you to get rid of, you got to pick up these other things right here. Because if you don't pick up these things and bring them into your life, then guess what? You're going to still hold on to the old things I just told you. You've got to get rid of it. And I'm going to stop right there because that's a good place to stop. We'll pick up at 13 next time we come back. I think next week we've got power hour. But we can look at that a little bit closer when he's talking about having tender heart. You know, there's some Christians that just don't, that they're just not compassionate. Some, they, there's some church folks that just ain't kind. Go to church every Sunday. Ain't kind. I mean, we, we just got to know how to show kindness to be. That's the fruit of the Spirit. And so we got to know how to do that. And then we got to know how to be humble. That can be hard sometimes. But God says if, if we humble ourselves, then he'll exalt us. But humility is something that we have to practice and gentleness. And, 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 and you know, like one of mine is right here, patient, man. I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm an impatient guy. I'm still working on that. I mean, for me, everything is yesterday. I mean, I mean, but but I'm working on it. Y'all just need to keep praying for them. I'm just telling you right now. I mean, that's that's why he tell me I gotta hey. God done called me holy, and with holy comes patience. Gotta work on it. I need the Holy Spirit to say, okay, you're getting impatient. Slow down a bit. So when we look at that list next time. We'll go in depth and look at each one of those and see how it impacts our lives and why God wants us to make those changes in our lives. So this whole chapter is about that new life. And, and, and I, I thought it was gonna be, I was going to leave it alone, but then he jumped out of this new life and just started talking about marriage. I don't know how he made that transition in this chapter, but he didn't leave it out. And, uh, and that's worth reading because marriages, you know, need to be discussed because Based on some of the things he write, wrote, you know, people ask him, do that dog still hunt? Is there order in the family? How do you determine order? You know, I mean, some people ask, I'm just, I'm just saying, this is a conversation we have. And so it's a conversation that we need to have because some people are not learned of how God organized the family so if they see it organized based on education or income, they may go against the script. Y'all think about that, that's another subject. <laughs> Amen. But it's coming. It's coming in this same chapter. Amen. We got some announcements for you. I thank you for your comments tonight. And again, if you will, go back and read that.